Keep She Shatters and She Burns fans, this is Hannah Austin, your host for the She Burns podcast. I'm excited to announce that my first book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is now out on Amazon. For more tips, tricks, and ways that you can burn bright and not burn out, visit me on Amazon at Hello Head, Meet Heart. Happy reading! Welcome to the She Burns Podcast, the go-to podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. When you're at the top of your game, the difference between handling the heat and boiling over comes down to the right self-care advice at the right time. And if you're ready to take your seat around the campfire, these interviews with inspiring women will help you keep your flame alive. Hello, everyone. I'm Hannah Austin, and this is season three of the She Burns podcast. This season's theme is women game changers. And in this episode, I'm talking to Nikki Lau. Nikki is the founder of two executive development businesses, Luminate Development and Wisdom for Working Moms. After having her first child, she experienced burnout and reimagined her approach to work and motherhood. She's now on a mission to support career-driven women to combine their work and family life in a more successful and sustainable way without sacrificing their sanity or well-being. She runs a thriving community for working moms, regularly running online masterclasses, digital courses, and sharing insights through her popular podcast, Wisdom for Working Moms. Hi, Nikki. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Thank you so much for being here all the way from the UK. My pleasure, Hannah. I love your work. I love what you're doing. I love your new book. So it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Well, like many podcasts, let's start with where are you today? And I want to kind of unpack that journey looking backwards. But what are you focusing on, my friend? Yeah. So life is exciting and full on. I'm a mom of two young children. I've got a nine-year-old and four-year-old. We've recently welcomed two new puppies to our house as well. So we're we're in the the family chaos of welcoming two new puppies into our world. But I'm also founder and owner of two of my own development businesses, exec development businesses. And where I find myself today is somebody that has been on a journey to understand how I can thrive in my own life, having been on a bit of a roller coaster ride with that over a number of years. I'm fiercely curious about understanding what it takes to both live and work well. I'm a career-driven woman. I love my work, but I also love my family and I want to show up for both sides of, I suppose, my identity in a way that feels fulfilling, but also lights me up without burning out. And I've gone on a bit of a journey with that. And what I've discovered over that journey has really fueled a passion for me about helping other people learn kind of what it takes and particularly for women and women that are mothers, because I think there's some quite unique challenges to navigate with that. That's where I am today, kind of living my own case study, constantly reviewing and tweaking and helping other women to do the same. I love what you said about living your own case studies. I'm sure a lot of people like you, as well as like me, ask you like, are you an expert? What constitutes you for being like a burnout expert or speaking to moms? And so I always say, nobody's an expert. It's always based on experience. So anyone can be an expert if they share what they've learned. And most often it's most applicable because you've been through it. You've walked the walk, you've talked the talk. And people want to learn from people who actually know how to do it or have been on the other side. Tell me a little bit about what brought you to this work as far as 
kind of your crash and burn story. So how did you know things weren't working in your life? You needed to make a change and kind of what was that defining moment for you? Well, a bit like you, Hannah, I've had a, a few defining moments, particularly around burnout. If I take you back kind of 20 years, I had an experience then that I didn't necessarily have the language for, but Mm. now knowing what I know was probably my first touch with burnout. I was working um, for a global tech company, had come out of university, been propelled on quite a accelerated leader development path, but there wasn't a formal path really. They just threw me in at the deep end. I kept being promoted and I kept kind of looking over my shoulder going, somebody's going to realise I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. (laughs) But I loved the company that I worked for and a phenomenal company. I got to do some phenomenal things, but it was a very male dominated industry. I think I was a bit of a square peg in a round hole because I kept being promoted and I ended up with this massive job title, this massive salary, all of the benefits that go along with that, you know, the the stocks, the shares, the and I started to build a life around the, my career. But because I didn't really understand what my success was built on, I felt like I'd got to prove to myself more than anybody that I was worth what I was being paid and I was worth all the success that I was getting. So I kept working longer, faster, harder than anybody else around me to really prove that. It got to the point where I really wasn't enjoying life and I became a person that I didn't particularly like, I didn't particularly recognize, but I felt a bit stuck. I called myself a corporate prisoner at that time. I kept going, oh, just do one more year, just one more year. Really got to the point where I I knew I had to get out, but I felt really trapped. So I went off and I thought, I'll hire an occupational psychologist to see if they can help me. Tried that, it didn't really help. And I went on a training course at work that was all about managing cross-cultural teams because I was managing European and global sales teams at the time. And they did a little bit on coaching. And I remember sitting in that training course going, oh, I do that. That was my natural leadership style because I was managing people twice my age, twice my experience. So that kind of planted a seed for me. And I also thought, actually, I want to learn more about this. So I went and hired my own exec coach and she was phenomenal. And that was 18 years ago. What was very powerful from that experience was I learned why I wasn't enjoying corporate life at that time. I basically came away going, right, I know what I want to do. I want to leave. I want to retrain as a coach. So I knew I wanted to do that back then, but I kept going, I can't do it yet. I need to kind of have an exit strategy and all of that because I was really struggling. And now what I know was I was very, very near burnout. Mm -hmm. I decided that I was just going to book a really nice holiday. So me and my partner at the time is now my husband. We booked a two-week holiday to the Maldives. We were a week (laughs) into that two-week holiday day and I got a call from my brother to say that my mum had passed away really suddenly, really unexpectedly. And so I was sat in, you can just imagine that picturesque view of what, you know, Maldives looks like. Sitting there 24 hours before I could get a flight home going, what the hell has just happened? Mm -hmm. How am I in this place? And I made a decision before we flew home that I was going to hand my notice in and walk away from my corporate career, thinking at the time that that was the problem. And don't get me wrong, it was a contributor. Fast forward, did that, took a year out, retrained, set up my leadership and coaching business, kind of spent 10 years building this really successful business, was traveling around the world, working on global leadership Mm -hmm. development programs, loving my work. And then I decided, me and my husband decided we were going to get married. And then we decided to start a family. And I thought, you know what? life just feels good. This feels great. I thought it was in a really great position to start a family. Took a year out, 
for my maternity leave and came back to work a year later and started to burn out Mm -hmm. to the point that I fully burnt out with adrenal fatigue, finally got it diagnosed. It took me a while to get it diagnosed, but basically became so ill. I really couldn't get out of bed and I'd got a kind of a a small baby. So it was this really, really tough time of unpicking, understanding where I was, which was full burnout, but then going, how did I get here? Yes. what yeah. the hell did that happen? Because I hadn't at the time seen the signs. Mm-hmm. What, my mind works in a way that I've got to understand stuff. I'm a researcher. I'm a nerd yeah. by, I suppose, you know, I love to read and research. And so there was a big part of me that was like, I need to understand what burnout is because mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand what it truly was. But I also got fiercely curious because I was like, if I don't understand how it's happened, I don't know how to stop it happening again because I like it blindsided me. That experience and what I decided to do at the time was step away from my work because I kind of thought trying to combine work and motherhood clearly has burnt me out. If I take one of those pieces, the equation away, hopefully we'll solve the problem. But very quickly, I mean, I'm talking within a month of taking my work out the equation, I realized, ah, that that isn't the answer. (laughs) And it was this massive aha moment for me because I just thought it was an excess overload of stuff that had caused my burnout. And if I took the excess away, it would be fine. And that was a really, I suppose, defining moment for me because I was like, oh, if that's not the answer. What is? is?" Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so that has been really a 10-year journey of really understanding all of the individual factors and the systemic factors that led to my burnout. And I've learned on that journey that actually I'm probably predisposed to it. You know, Mm -hmm. I... You can put me in pretty much any situation and I'd be predisposed to it. So <laughs> that was like enlightening because I was like, oh, it's all this external stuff. Yes. Like if I just leave the corporate career and I just take yes. work out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've gone deep. I've pulled back the layers of the onion to really understand as many of those factors as possible and even become kind of qualified in a in a global leadership tool that really, really gets into the nitty gritty of these factors so that yes. I now help other people with that. Let's unpack that. There's a lot of information and I think it's really important, especially when a light bulb went off in my head when you said, it's been a 10-year journey. And I know in your practice and my practice as well, we're hearing these people who want quick fixes. I'm burned out. I'm going to quit my job. Life is going to be fixed. Or I'm burned out. I'm a mom. Um, I'm going to do a side hustle that I care about, but I'm also trying to raise human beings. So let's go a little bit deeper on kind of unpacking that. So with your clients, they come and work with you. A lot of them, I'm assuming are moms, sounds like organizations as well. Let's talk about the unpacking and what's the first thing you do or say to start kind of the unpacking of the backpack or unpacking of that monkey that's on your back, whatever, however you want to call it. What does that unpacking look like? Well, for me and often with my clients, there is this sense that if I've burnt out or I feel like I'm on that path, I'm doing something wrong. Mm. So I'm either not strong enough, I'm not capable enough, I'm not enough, I'm somehow weak. And that was how my experience, I was like, oh, I've done something wrong. And so that meant that my natural tendency is just to apply more willpower to a situation. Like I've got the willpower to push through. So often with people, it's unpacking. Okay, so tell me what's going on for you in your Mm -hmm. life. And what I'm doing, I suppose, technically is I'm trying to unpack what are the psychobiological factors. So those are like the individual factors. Mm -hmm. What's our personality, our preferences, our conditioning? And what are the psychosocial factors? So what are the systems that I have belonged to or do belong to? And what kind of gravitational forces do they have upon me? Often for my ideal client, who's this kind of corporate working mother, they're often trapped between the ideal worker's 
paradigm of, you know, you can put in all the hours, nothing distracts you, you're dedicated to your career and you'll do what it takes. But they're also trapped in the ideal mother paradigm, which mm-hmm. is the ideal mother just sacrifices herself, you know, is completely there for her children 24-7, kind of almost martyrs herself to be a good yeah. mother. When you can start to see through that lens of like, what am I doing in my work and what am I doing in my personal life mm-hmm. and what are the systems that I belong to that have those gravitational forces, you can almost be the fly on the wall and actually see see the system rather than just you're swimming in it and you can't see it. That's a big part of it. And really understanding each of us has this complex mix of those Mm -hmm. individual and systemic factors. And depending on what's going on in our life at any one time, this kind of we've got assets and liabilities. And it's almost like this weighing scale of where am I? and Where is that pushing me in my resilience zone? Yeah, it's really starting to understand that and build the picture so you can kind of see, you know, well, what was my upbringing? What are the kind of messages that I learned through mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. What are the organizational systems that I work in and what are the unspoken rules of what it takes to succeed? Mm-hmm. And also what am I predisposed to work like? So I know that I've got high drive, high conscientiousness. Yes high degree of willpower so I can disconnect from my body to make things happen because you know yes. if, I, if that's what it takes I can do it mm-hmm. I have high optimism so I, I underestimate how long things are going to take and I'll say yes to stuff I'll be really. healed in a week yeah yeah <laughs> so all of those things in the mix is understanding okay so how do these intermix and what kind of cocktail are they making in terms <laughs> love it of, love it know, burnout cocktail <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> And so, you know, there are some, some people that I will work with and it's, they, you know, they're facing a situational burnout. It's, you know, the situation that I'm working in, we're going through a major change program at work, or I'm going through a divorce or, you know, I've got an ill parent and the, 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 the demands on that person for that situation are putting them towards burnout. But then there are some people that are actually more of the long-term burner, as I like I am, yeah, yeah. more predisposed. And so it's really starting to understand actually which one of those might I be. Exactly. And yeah, what yeah. what what factors are either supporting or detracting from my well-being as I walk that path. It's so much to unpack. And I think people realize or think, you know, external rewards, it's the external things in our lives, but really to break through burnout or at least break the cycle of burnout, we have to turn towards ourselves, I say. And like excavate those old patterns of behavior. You know, did you see your mom work two jobs and was she a single mom? Or, you know, was your dad the primary breadwinner and your mom stayed home? Like what all are all those layers of like epidermis that you need to kind of dig through? I'm curious though, for you on your personal healing journey, you know, you're predisposed to burnout, you're saying, and I'm sure like many of us who are recovering, we've burned out more than once. Talk to me a little bit about for you personally, what are some, I hate to use the word life hacks or tips or whatnot, but what's really worked for you as far as daily reminders or peace of mind? Like I know I, this X, Y, Z triggers me. So what are you doing for yourself? And what are some things that you would advise to clients or people that you work with or friends, kind of those five things or three things that really have been helpful for you to like, just top of mind awareness, keeping that in mind. One of the things that I learned as my recovery was I had to have almost rituals that I built into my life. So I've got daily, weekly and monthly rituals that are kind of like a non-negotiable that I have to book in because it's really easy for me to overlook them. And if I don't, then I find myself on the path yeah, I don't know how far I've gone down there before. I'm like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> I'm that. already there. I slipped and fell and whoops, where's my stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a big part of those rituals is actually connected into my body. 
because I'm naturally quite a head associated person. Like I do, you know, I'm, I'm in my head a lot. I'm thinking, I'm planning, I'm forward orientated. And so I can be disconnected from my body in that moment. You know, just a typical example is I can be sitting doing emails and I might be desperate for the toilet, but I won't know it till it's like, oh my God, I'm really, really desperate for the toilet. Or, (laughs) oh my God, I haven't had a drink for like three hours. You know, I can, I can disconnect from that. So a lot of my practices are about bringing me back into my body because actually there were a lot of, um, like little warning signs along my burnout journey that I will completely dismissed and overlooked. So the more that I can, um, have rituals of connecting back to my body and being in my body and listening to the wisdom of my body, paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. It kind of keeps me grounded and keeps me walking the path, um, feeling present, feeling connected. And um, yeah, and when I pay attention to my body more, I often perform better anyway. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I've got a practice that I I get up before anybody else in my house wakes up and I call it my sacred start that I go slow. I kind of just ease into my day. And I, with burnout, obviously I became so exhausted, it's fatigue on a different level that I often thought I'd got to prioritize sleep, which clearly is important. But what I also learned was I'm better off sacrificing, say, 20 minutes of my sleep to get up before anybody and have that slow, connected start Mm. than stay in bed and have 20 minutes extra sleep. That was quite revolutionary for me because I was like, no, I've got to prioritize sleep. That's most important because I'm exhausted. That's important for me to tend to my nervous system because I can fire up my adrenal system really. And you can feel it. Isn't that weird? You can feel it. You're like, okay, I haven't gone to the bathroom. I'm starting to get a headache. I know I'm supposed to drink more water. And then it's like, but I'm so busy. I'm getting into these emails. I want to get back to clients. And it's like, it's an addiction, Nikki. And I think that that's- It's a dopamine isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. you can feel it. It's like, you can almost feel your brain kicking in. And I think that's a really important part because what you'll find is we've actually got three motivational systems. We've got our drive system, which is about dopamine. We've got our stress system, which we know kind of fight, fly, and the the stress hormones. But we've also got our soothing system, Mm -hmm. which is all all about oxytocin in those feel-good hormones. And I have to create practices that take me into that soothing system. So one of my monthly practices, I have a lady come to my house and give me reflexology. Mm. And for me, it is phenomenal like that. And, and there's a lot of research and data that says in terms of what it does to soothe your nervous system. But for me, that is my getting non-negotiable. She comes to my house. I don't have to go anywhere. But again, massage because the touch creates yes. that oxytocin release. So those little things that I would often have thought were luxuries before, mm-hmm. they're like, no, they're just part of, my, part of my rituals that keep me grounded, that enable me to still have drive in my career and achieve the things yes. I want to yes. without feeling like I've got to lean out, like I can't, I can't. Yes. achieve my ambitions, not to lean in too much that I disconnect from my body. So for me, it's about kind of saying grounded, yeah, not becoming too head associated, leaning in too much, but yes. kind of bringing my body with me. As you're talking, I'm hearing getting up or a little bit early it may seem like you're losing sleep, but you're actually gaining right times in your day to kind of center yourself and get recharged. I'm yeah. hearing touch, connectedness, whatnot. Talk to me about women listening right now. And I know you've got these listeners as well. I'm a mom. I work. I'm, you know, I cook, I clean, I do it all. I don't have time, you know, Nikki, for someone to come to my house and give me a foot rub or a massage. How do you address that? I don't have time because I was guilty of that. I don't have time. I don't have time for myself. So what is your 30 second lowdown on? I don't have time. It should be a bumper sticker. I think there's two things that I would say to this. You know, if you don't make time for your well-being, you've got to make time for your illness. Period. Yeah. 
you know, a part of this journey that has really fueled me as well is I've lost two parents now very suddenly, mm. kind of before their time. You get to the point where you kind of go, well, what is it? I want to be around as long as possible for my yes. kids and for, yes. you know, loved ones and to do the work that I want to do in the world. It has to be sustainable mm. because you can't have the long-term impact. I get, and I was absolutely in that place. I haven't got time to kind of respond to people's messages. Right, or go to the bathroom, you mentioned. Like, yeah, yeah. why is that always the first to go? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I kind of saw self-care as a luxury. I Mm. now see it as kind of self-preservation. And what I learned through that experience is when you lose your well-being, it doesn't matter what else you've got. Right. Like, I couldn't be there for my children. I live in a beautiful house. I couldn't enjoy that. You know, I couldn't go out with friends. So it doesn't matter what else you've got. If you haven't paid attention to your well-being, when that goes... Nothing, nothing else matters yeah so it has to come higher up the order mm-hmm. but I think there's also hooking from the messages that we get that says you know if you're a good mother or if you're a good worker you just kind of get on and I think we as women were raised to be good girls yeah. traditionally you know you know the drivers of be perfect you know be strong and I think what's happened is that good girl has turned into kind of this independent woman that actually I'm only succeeding if I can if I can carry it all on my own shoulders I'm strong I'm independent and the biggest lesson I learned was actually I wasn't being a leader in my life you know if you were in an organization and trying to do it all a you wouldn't be respected and b you know it wasn't sustainable yes and I had to take that leadership in my own life to go no I need the support around me it takes a village yeah. Particularly to raise children, but I think it takes a village to raise a mother. In years gone by, we would have that village. Yeah. And obviously in modern era, we haven't. So what I've learned is I've been really smart and strategic about building the support systems around Wonderful. me. I, I ask and receive help far better than I used to. I love that. I think it's so true. I mean, I think about women in villages. I go when I went to Africa, it was like the women are raising the kids together. They have help yes. with food. They have help with, you know, milking the goat. They have help. And yeah. I think as women, especially in the US, and it sounds like the UK as well. It's that vision of you got to do it all by myself. And it's one thing to have girl time, happy hour, and you're having fun with your friends. But it's completely different when you say, hey, guys, I need help X, Y, Z. And I'm also, the other piece of that is I'm willing to help you too. And I think that needs to be that give and take. And so learning how to ask for help. I know you have a lot of listeners that are moms. I do as well. What is one piece of advice for someone who is pregnant coming back from work and realizing, Mm -hmm. oh, shit. I can't do both or I need help with doing both, but they cannot afford a coach or they choose not to hire a coach. What are like one to three things that they could do to kind of even just get started on trying to live that integrated life? I think if they're particularly career-driven high achievers, one of the biggest things that I find that will trip somebody up is trying to apply the same strategies to their work before they went on maternity leave to when they return. Yes. And often those strategies were, I'll just work the long hours. I'll mm-hmm. just, I'll say yes to all the projects. I'll be the helper. I'll be the fixer. If you try those strategies, you'll very quickly learn that they're not sustainable now that you've added in kind of, you've gone from being a working woman to a right. working mother. Right. It's not sustainable. So I get people to think about what got me here won't get me there. Mm-hmm. Like this is now an up-leveling in terms of, if I was promoted to be a manager, I'd have to let go of doing right, it. All, you right, right. At each leadership kind of change, we have to make changes. And I see this as a vertical development opportunity where mm. we go, okay, 
what do I now need to level up and step into and what do I need to let go of? So there's that inner mindset shift. I think in the UK, there's a lot of talk about the motherhood penalty. And I think it's even more so in the US and in other countries where they may not have, you know, good maternity and paternity support and leave and all of those things. So it's recognising that actually you're going to need to think about the strategies, how you go about doing this and don't let be perfectly strong trip you up. You know, this is where you ask for help. And particularly if you're in a relationship and you've got somebody that you're, you know, you're raising your children with, having those really honest conversations about, do you know what? A lot of the time it defaults the primary carer is the woman. And what does that mean? And we're carrying the domestic load and all of that then also becomes unsustainable. So it's really taking this as an opportunity of say, you know, you were having a promotion at work and you go, right, I've got a clean sheet of paper. I'm starting this job anew. What would I want it to be like? What support do I need? How do I want to approach it? And I would really encourage somebody to take that mindset about, okay, clean sheet of paper. You don't have to do it like you've done it. And if you try that, it might trip you up. So let's be really strategic about where can I add the most value with the least kind of impact on me and really focusing on my zone of genius where I the stuff that I enjoy doing I find it easier and how can I delegate stuff to other people or realize that actually I picked up this stuff that was never my job anyway and really assess because often we feel that we've got more to prove when we go back so we try even harder yes that will trip us up take a really strategic leadership mindset as you do this and ask for the support and be really clear on where are my priorities all good tips so I was cruising on your website earlier today And there's a lot of freebies on there. I know right now after 2022 and with the recession at least happening, people are looking kind of for free tips and resources. Mm -hmm. Where can our listeners come find you and and get those? I think you have like a schedule on there. I looked at that. It looks like you have a podcast, but kind of what are your top three resources that we can provide today to our listeners? If you head to wisdomforworkingmums.co.uk, on there you'll find the podcast. And like you, I do a regular podcast where I get experts on. And I know you're joining me this year as well, Hannah, to share your wisdom. So we have regular experts on. I share information as well. So that's one resource on there. I do a fortnightly blog as well, which often inspires people around different topics and areas. And I provide resources around that. But if you get on my email list, I do. I've got free webinars that I do. I've got, as you say, these downloads and handouts. And my big thing this year is I'm supporting people around a particular framework that's called the Global Leadership Wellbeing Framework, where it's it specifically helps people think about how do I live well and work well? Mm. And we cover six domains. And this year, I'm going to be sharing so many resources around that, which is a proven evidence-based approach to how do we thrive as leaders in our work and it all along that journey. I'm so excited. I love your website. Super interactive. The podcast is great. I love that you can go to her website and download these schedules for working moms, all these different resources. It's really a pleasure to have someone across the pond really championing this work, especially for working women. So thank you so much, my friend, for being a guest on the show today. And we'll drop your links in the chat. Couldn't be happier to have you spreading that burnout is not, it's not the end of the road, right? It's opportunity for us to lean towards ourselves and really figure out what we truly want. So thank you so much, my friend. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here today, my friend. I love what you said about the importance of applying new strategies to your life after returning from maternity leave and incorporating being a mom as well as a career woman. You can have it all, but you just need to prioritize on the things that really are important with well-being at the center of that importance. For more information on Nikki and her work, please visit her at the Wisdom for Working Moms podcast. Thank you for joining us on the She Burns podcast. 
We are so grateful for your time, energy, and support. For more tips, resources, and tools on how to burn bright, please visit us at sheshatters.com or on Instagram at sheshattersllc.